You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Discover Multifamily Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Bessie Capola. And did I say that right? Capulian, yes. Capulian. I know we went over this before, but I uh, tend to butcher it. Awesome. Um, well, Bessie is joining us. She has uh, over 18 years of business experience, and that includes 14 years of commercial lending real estate, you know, business experience. And, uh, you know, she's professionally been working in, you know, real estate space for a while. Um, She actually started investing in 2017 into real estate. Um, So, you know, about six years ago at this point, and she's got properties in Florida, Tennessee, Georgia. I think she has six properties right now. And, um, you know, she is active in various, you know, real estate, um, uh, uh, networks and, you know, she speaks at different meetups and, um, you know, she's kind of involved in moving forward the underwriting process for a lot of, um, investment opportunities in 2023 and beyond for commercial multifamily properties. And today we're just going to kind of talk about what she's seeing in the market, how she is uh, changing, if she's changing her underwriting, basically meaning her evaluation of, uh, acquiring, uh, commercial real estate for uh, multifamily. So uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Great. Could you talk to us about uh, some of the properties you own? Um, if you, you know, if you sold any of them and kind of what you're looking to do moving forward in multifamily? Absolutely. I would describe myself as a net buyer, Um, have uh, different verticals, one being a residential portfolio, one being the multifamily portfolio, and then a third stream of passive investments. And I um, apply the passive investment opportunities outside of multifamily and residential just as a way to diversify my overall real estate portfolio, but specifically in multifamily, I pursue both JVs and those are for smaller properties, uh, five to 10 units. Anything larger typically requires a little bit more work and a little bit more capital. So those are usually syndicated. Um, And naturally with syndications, those are more or less medium term flips. So eventually you do sell those, but as far as the residential portfolio and the JVs, I would describe those as um, forever buy and hold. So overall net buyer. Are you a, a still a net buyer in 2023? I want to be. I am continuing to look at deals and I still believe in real estate in, in the long run. Um, we are going through a cycle right now and, and no prices don't always go up. Um, they're always cycles, but in the long run, um, I do believe in, in real estate and all the additional benefits it offers. So I'm continuously looking at properties. Um, however, it has become increasingly challenging for those to pencil in and, and we can dive into that as well. So haven't purchased any, but um, look to continue to buy as long as the numbers make sense. Okay. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's dig into that. What's been more challenging? Um, you know, you meant, I mentioned you're in three different markets. Are you only trying to expand in those markets and 
Is it just an inventory problem? What what's what are the challenges? Well, there are a number of challenges, and specifically for acquisitions, I focus on Florida, Tampa, Jacksonville, and Orlando. Um, so that's my primary focus. Um, there are a few things that have changed. One is the um, interest rate environment. We're all reading the news every day about inflation and the Fed's priority to tame that by increasing interest rates. And they've been rapidly rising since pretty much March of last year and, and likely to continue to rise at least in the beginning of this year um, until we, we get a grasp on, on the inflation readings. And, and uh, if you Think about the capital stack of a deal. The lender is your largest partner, typically. So naturally, the, the cost of lending increases, impacts um, the returns and the structures that we're looking at. Um, in addition to that, rents have started moderating in a lot of markets and actually in some markets declining quarter over quarter. We're not seeing year over year decreases yet. Um but certainly as I evaluate deals, I'm I'm not as aggressive and, and in some cases forecasting flat rents year over year or if, if the market warrants maybe a slight decline just so I can maintain a more realistic view of, of how the asset will perform, at least in the short run. And then in the long run, normalizing that growth um, more closely aligned to the historical trend versus the anomaly we saw over the past couple of years. Um, but rents are impacting naturally the bottom line. It, it all starts with the top line. So that's also leading to return compression. Uh, vacancies are also increasing slowly and, and due to a number of factors. But again, depending on each market or, or sub-market, um, in some places we're even seeing negative absorption. Uh, because a lot of household formation is slowing down um, or people are leaving areas that are less affordable. Um, so that's also uh, putting some pressure on the top line. And then on the expense side, uh, specifically what's happening in, in Florida, um, and I think Texas is another state that I, I hear my colleagues mention frequently, is the exorbitant cost of insurance um, that's continuing to rise. And it, it has been rising over the years, but especially in the last year uh, with Hurricane Ian. Um, when I look at deals, if, if I find one that pencils in, if it's close enough, I definitely get a quote from my insurance broker. And then I keep checking periodically because it is not uncommon at all, at all for prices to change up until closing the deal. And uh, that could be a 100, 200 per door impact um, on your P&L, which is pretty significant. Of course, the continuous property appreciation has resulted in higher assessed values, naturally leading to higher property taxes. And that's another big chunk of the expenses impacting the bottom line. And um, last but not least, cap rates. Um, interest rates have started increasing. We are seeing cap rate reversion in some places more rapidly than others. Uh, now, how far will that go? I I don't know. I, I don't know if we'll see 8% cap rates or even 7 uh, because there are also some supply considerations there. But that's certainly impacting deal decisions because uh, when rates are 6-7% and, and cap rates are still in some places uh, around 5%, then you are looking at negative leverage 
and previously people were able to offset that in the short run by the rapid rise in in, in rents, uh, but that is not happening anymore, effectively leading to subpar returns that are not enough to um, um, for the deal to pencil in or attract investors. Right. And you mentioned you're in three markets. So uh, Florida, Texas, and what was the other one? Uh, so Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee. And I oh. specifically for acquisitions focus on Florida. Uh, my other deals there, I um, got in through underwriting and helping those uh, syndicates or teams. Okay. Um, my apologies. Then. So in Florida, what markets in Florida are you in and do you still want to continue focus on expansion there? Some of the coastal markets, uh, our company personally was in them um, that got hit by hurricanes and higher insurance, um, ended up doing really well on the deal. Um, but I'm hearing we've kind of, I wouldn't say taken a pause at Florida. We've mm-hmm. just certain areas we're staying out of now. Mm-hmm. Um, what markets are you in in Florida, you know, uh, on the insurance side, um, that seems to be really impacting deals. Uh, basically, deals are at a standstill from everything I'm uh, reading and, and and having discussions with brokers daily. Yes, I mean it's the insurance is impacting deals. I would say across Florida, but the two markets I'm currently I have properties in are Orlando and Tampa. Um, so certainly, um, I would like to continue to look for deals there as long as the numbers make sense. But given some of the challenges with um, hitting returns i'm certainly uh, keeping an open mind and and uh, open to looking at deals elsewhere now i I think it's important to maintain focus versus uh, jumping around from market to market so usually when i um, close on deals outside of my core market i partner with people who are there boots on the ground possibly even sourcing those deals but i act as that either second set of eyes on vetting the deal, the numbers, um, and, and or uh, doing the full underwrite on the deal. So I'm certainly open to expanding um, the footprint outside of Florida, given the challenges. But at the same time, um, the long-term fundamentals for the state are strong. So I would like to continue to expand there, uh, albeit at a slower pace until the numbers pencil in. Excellent. Um, and so... In terms of underwriting, you mentioned interest rates and um, rents moderating. Has have you seen any changes to the debt structure that you're looking at? Because you mentioned long run. What does long run exactly mean? Is that five years, seven years, ten years? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how are you how are you trying to offset some of the headwinds that are coming? You know, into play. You know, into 2023 and still make wise investment decisions? Are there different strategies you're trying to look to now, but still focus on multifamily? Yes, so definitely when it comes to debt, uh, looking at fixed rate debt, uh, medium term holding, medium I define as five years. That's, um, of course, nobody has a crystal ball, but I think it's a long enough period to where you can weather the storm in the short run, whether it lasts a year or, or, or two. Um, and giving you enough of a runway to execute on on your business plan, uh, preferably um, low or or no prepayment penalties, and and that really varies by lender. So that gives you the flexibility to refinance um, when rates um, go down in 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 the long run or in the medium term, I should say, within the next um, 
two years or so. Um, but definitely avoiding the volatility of rates by by getting that fixed. Um, there are fixed rate bridge loans, and those might make sense for certain deals, but I'm not not super eager because those typically have a very short tenor and the extensions are not guaranteed again leaving you exposed in that medium um, three-year horizon where i think probably where most of the risk would be right yeah it's definitely important to have flexibility in your loan structure um Mm -hmm. what size for the you mentioned syndications and you mentioned jvs Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you explain the difference between the two in terms of your the size range of your deals you're looking at? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so for JVs, typically you have a, a couple of partners that are, they're all actively involved. Um, those deals are smaller, I would say five to 10 doors in the multifamily space. Um, around a million, a million and a half would be the kind of the price point. Um, and it's still enough work for everyone to get involved. Anything larger requires a little bit more work. So over um, over 10, 15 units, those are typically syndicated. And those require, of course, a lot more capital, which makes it then more appropriate to bring passive investors who don't want to be actively engaged managing the deal. Yeah. And, and um, how are you sourcing both opportunities, both the JVs and syndications? Mm-hmm. So in in my market, uh, through brokers, that's what I've decided to focus on because roughly 92 to 93% of the deals come from brokers uh, and I still have my W2 job. So that's a little bit more manageable. Um, Another way I get involved in deals is through underwriting. I've helped, as I mentioned, other teams and that's how we closed on the deal. For example, in, in Georgia, I didn't necessarily source that, but I was able to find a way and add value to that team. Uh, but in my primary market, it's through brokers. Got it. And is there um, like a guide or some sort of template that you use to help guide your investment decisions for underwriting? Yes. Um, when it comes to return criteria, starting with the end in mind, right, and the investor requirements, uh, I start with the returns. That's um, and, and those are consistent with my own personal investment uh, guidelines. Um, again, for JVs that tend to be forever buy and holds, so I would say um, 8 to 10 cash on cash return, preferably closer to the 10%, which again is very challenging to meet in the current market but but that's okay because i'm not here for a day or two um and and um for syndications i would say 15 to 20 percent irr one and a half to two equity multiple um those will be the driving factors um is where i start from and and, and of course the most important is the market and sub market so i i stay away from Class D areas, class D properties uh, with with violent crimes, mostly focus on B, C plus, um, stable value add, not no heavy lift um, type of areas, uh, properties, and at least at this stage, uh, I'm mostly focused on market multifamily housing versus um, other asset classes like student houses, assisting living, condos. I'm not touching any any of those uh, at this stage. Right. Um, no, that's great. And uh, when you mentioned you helped the, with the underwriting for a deal in Georgia, uh, can you kind of talk about 
it, do you run different scenarios in your underwriting where it's okay if I hit these types of rents, here are the returns, and then to follow up with that, moving into 2023, have any of the return expectations from yourself or from any of your partners changed? Um, because you could buy a 10 year or you could buy a five year treasury note at close to 4% uh, risk free. So, right. excellent. That's you nailed it. <laughs> so, um, I guess I'll tackle the first question as far as the underwriting. Um, we were very conservative in our estimates and definitely ran sensitivity analysis. Also, one uh, metric I like to look at is the break even occupancy. And, and for that property in particular, it was under 80%, uh, just under 80%. So that leaves you a lot of cushion for things to go wrong if they do go wrong. Um, we were more conservative in our rent estimates, and so far we are exceeding those. And in that particular market, even with my other deal, there's very limited supply of apartments. Um, and when we, we when we purchased the properties, all the units were well under market. Um, so that gives us a big runway. And, and so for that property, we are exceeding projections. But again, it started with a very conservative evaluation not not buying the property at, at negative leverage and and that's what i think and having ample reserves um so cash and cash flow that's the biggest focus so i think that's been um very helpful in as far as us outperforming projections at, at least to date um and then the second question i apologize i forgot Does, uh, have any of your partners or investors returns oh, criteria changed Yes. Um, so definitely, I mean, people have have options, like you mentioned, uh, getting 4% and keeping cash uh, with the bank at the bank. So um, so certainly they're they're not necessarily um, reducing their return expectations. I, I do think in the short run, we will see compressed returns, and that's what will likely keep a lot of people on the sidelines um, for some time. So um, so from that perspective, their criteria have not changed much as far as expectations. And now they have other options, like you mentioned. Um, so they're definitely being more cautious and evaluating those risk return options. Thanks. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, great. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. How can my audience find you, learn more about you? The easiest way to connect with me is through my website, www.dbacapitalgroup.com. D is in dream, B is in believe, A is in achieve. My um, phone, email, Calendly link are there if people would like to schedule a call. And I just released my first digital book, The Busy Professional's Quick Guide to Investing in Multifamily really designed to empower and educate investors while giving them um, quick, easy to digest information that they can um, fit in their busy schedules. Awesome. Well, I look forward to reading that. And I can also provide a link to the website and the book in our social media descriptions and on our iTunes description. So everyone can go check it out and reach out if you want to connect with Vessi, you know, like she just said that's that's a way to reach out and connect. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our message get out to a greater audience. And really appreciate your time, Vessi, today and look forward to staying in touch. Great. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you.